resented my genius and tried to deny me what was rightfully mine, but he gave you everything. So, what made you so special? Nothing. I'm just a kid from Brooklyn. I can do this all day. I'm Griffin. I'm Molly. And we're going into the Superverse. It's here. We're finally here. We're in... 1943. We're also in 2011 because we're watching what movie today? Captain America, the first Avenger. Avenger. My goodness. Say it with me now, people. You want to do that again? I'm looking at you. Nope. No cuts. So, as mentioned before, this is Molly's favorite movie of the MCU. Possibly. One of. Okay. But like definitely but like, pretty favorite. confident. But yes. Uh so we've been looking forward to this uh ever since we started the pod. We just we watched it last year, but honestly, like felt like a brand new movie. Doesn't to get me. old. Doesn't get old. And we can It's also not that long, but they pack a lot into it. Oh yeah. Like yeah, I know I got... we're we're not even into it yet, but like it's only two hours and it's like a a lot happens. I can praise the pacing of this movie all day. Um, and I know that there are a lot of people out there who may think that this is one of the weaker movies of the MCU. And they would be wrong. And, that, and, and that's okay. If that's you, then I implore you, please go back, watch it again. It is a great film. Just all around, in my opinion. It is definitely a different movie than any other except for... Maybe Captain Marvel, but this I think they do thing. it totally way better, like yeah. the time and all that stuff. But I know people are like, I guess, weary of a period piece, but you're right. Like the pacing is what makes it so rewatchable, I think. Exactly. They could have done the same period World War II based movie, but if they had just done a couple things differently, I wouldn't want to watch it as often as I have. It's just a lot of the moving pieces came together the right way. And Chris Evans is just the icing on the cake. Um, so let's get into why and what makes this work so well. Um, well, my first question for the movie is, is there magic involved that makes him stay alive, frozen? Like, like is magic it- magic or... Well, actually, so I wrote that before I we got to the end of the movie where the Tesseract is not on the plane with him, which I forgot. But I guess, like, is it his serum? Like, would a normal person have just survived that? I think it has to be the serum. I think it's probably the serum, too. I mean... Like, I know it's basically, like, the cryogenic frozen, yeah. but, like, it's not. Which that so. doesn't even work like that. And it wouldn't be cold enough to... For him to be cryogenically frozen, period. So, yeah, I think it's safe to say it's the serum somehow. Let's not get into the specifics of the serum because we don't need to do that. Why? Because, like, what is it? Why would that help him stay alive at night? Well, he he is, like, immune to a lot of stuff. Like, he can... His body is literally able to... Survive, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, like hypothermia, essentially. That makes sense. But yeah, let's call it the serum and it's a day. But yeah, if somebody else on that plane had put it down, like one of the Howling Commandos had to do it, no, they would have they would have been dead as soon as they hit the ice. That's for sure. So We're going to get back to that. Yeah, well, we'll end. loop around. Um, I'm kind of surprised. I took this note, and then by the end of the scene, I had a revision to the note. That... Coulson was not there 
when they found the shield. It sounds but I'm like, like these him, were not, doesn't it? It did sound like him, but it's definitely not him. I know, but I thought that it was his I know, voice. that's what I thought at first, and I was like, oh, I never noticed that. And then I was like, oh, no. Like, I'm not even sure that those were shield agents. No, I they aren't. They're army or someone yeah. else handling it, but that would have been a nice touch because he pops back up in Avengers and is a Cap fanboy, so it would have been a cool moment for him to be there when they found the shield. I feel like... He doesn't just pop back up in Avengers. I think that's kind of underselling Coulson's role. Well, let me not undersell Coulson, but they don't mention the Captain America thing until Avengers, which makes sense. There wasn't a Captain America movie. All we get is him holding the shield in Iron Man 2. So I'm just saying that there was an opportunity here to set that up before Avengers, but they probably didn't think about it until after that. Probably just while they were writing, they needed to give him like a bit more of a character. Um... But still, I mean, obviously that would have been like, there's no reason for Coulson or any person from S.H.I.E.L.D. to be there. They didn't know what it was pertaining to. But would have been a fun inclusion. When they're like looking through the ship, it makes, it really makes me feel like we're watching the Titanic when they're like going through the underwater yeah. Like the future part of Titanic yeah. or the present day. Just looking through the wreckage. Yeah, it's really cool seeing them like repel in. It's Gives spooky. You a sense of, like, I was scale. spooked. Yeah. Didn't you? I think normally when we watch this, you say that reminds you of National Treasure. It does would also you, remind me of National would you Treasure, but agree with that? I think more Titanic, yeah. at least watching it this time. Yeah. But I love that moment. And it was a cool way to start off the movie. I wonder what uh what made them be like let's let's frame this around because it kind of gives you, you, know, you can put two and two together. They don't really show you what is crashed in its entirety anyway, but knowing that the shield is there, you know, but definitely a cool plot device, and allows them to kind of jump right into the way that they ended the movie without having to give more of an explanation. It's also interesting, like, this movie and Captain America is such a big thing now, and people that read comics, I'm sure it was a big deal, but, like, they're introducing this, like, seminal character, but, like, the layman folk don't know who that is. Does that make sense? Like... Like, like Captain America is, like, it's Captain America, like, he's such a big deal, but, like... We don't know that yet. Yeah. Like, we're learning yeah. that he's such a big deal. I get you. Yeah, I mean, and they had to kind of prove that, I guess. Yeah, because you can't be like... I mean, it's I do not, wonder... He's I mean, basically... What I'm trying to say is, like, sorry. He's basically, like, Superman of Marvel. But, like, he doesn't have name recognition. Yeah. Like, Superman does. Yeah. I mean, I don't... I wonder what, like, the audience consensus was before and after the release of this movie. I knew who Captain America was from him popping up in Marvel comic books that I read. I knew the name Captain America. I'd played video games that had Captain America in it, but definitely is not like what people would say is like one of the biggest names in superheroes at the time. Because the the big three of superheroes that would normally be given is like... In Marvel. Well, no, just generally speaking, the ones that people are like, oh, like I know who that is. Be Batman, Superman, and Spider Man. Yeah. Um, and now and like X Men. Yeah. Well, like now Captain America has been elevated to that level, but I wonder if it was viewed like like did more people know Captain America or Thor <laughs> when those movies were coming out? You know. Definitely knew, not Iron Man. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's not even. Well, a question. I don't think I don't know if people knew Thor from like comics, but they know Thor from like lore. <laughs> Mythology. Yeah. 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 But either way. He's here, mm-hmm. the big guy on campus. Well, first he's a little guy. Yeah, let's talk about that CGI. Uh, for being 10 years old and already like an ambitious thing to use for a good 20, 30 minutes of the movie, it holds up really well. Oh, yeah. His, I, they made his face smaller, which is, I think, the most impressive part of it. Like yeah. The body is like, whatever, you can kind of just do that. But like... His face structure is smaller. It's like some deep fake shit. I mean, they must have known that they had that in the bag because if they had rolled with that CGI for 
you know, a good quarter of the movie and it looks like shit, they would not have been able to, like, get away from that. Everyone would have been like, what's up with, like, the weird, tiny, gross-looking Chris Evans? Would it be considered uncanny? I think so. I think so. It probably, if you ask some people, it probably still is, but I think they do such a good job. It's only, like, super weird when you see him without his shirt on to me. I know. I don't like it. (laughs) It makes me feel weird (laughs) when he has to go into the... uh, uh, machine. I was so like, oh weird. god, I don't want to look at this. It's all smooth. I don't know why. It's um, not right. It's not right. It's very Benjamin Button-y. So it's um, welcome when he gets put in the uh, lab machine thinger and then gets covered in oil, apparently. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he so was glistening. Comes out. But That's the last um, Tony Stark added that. Not, excuse me. Howard. Uh, Howard Stark added that as the last, just a little spray of baby oil when he comes out. Um, for the ladies. <laughs> just one lady um <laughs> well actually so before we even meet steve rogers we do get the little scene in norway of finding the tesseract and there was a couple of things that i wanted to talk about there most importantly red skull rolling up is deep deep cruella vibes in that car like <laughs> yes that is the most cruella Deville shit i've ever seen his car the thing is ridiculous. And on that note, the tanks that Hydra is cruising around in are comically large. I cannot get over how big they are. Like, they were like, you know what? No, we can go more than double the size of a normal tank. We're doing, like, ten times the size of one. And Captain America still takes one down single-handedly. But I, uh, I do enjoy how flamboyant Red Skull is. He's like, let me show off with this car. Yeah. Um, you got it, flaunt it. And so he isn't, uh, like, he's, like, from the Earth. He's not, like... Yeah, no, he he's just, just has the serum. He's just a guy that got a shitty serum. And so... Kind of shitty, I guess. Made his face fall off, but, like, be, again, because he has the serum, he survives it, we're assuming. Uh... Well, yeah, I mean, he, he like, survived it in spite of it being, like, it It tried to kill him. I just think maybe, like, I mean, you know, if he had taken... I mean, his skin melted off. His skin did melt off, but I think that was the extent of it. Like, I don't know if it was, like, the serum was, like, already saving him, or it was just, like, the serum was just good enough or bad enough that it didn't quite kill him. <laughs> it just melted all of his skin. I definitely peeped the uh, line. The Tesseract is was the jewel of Odin's treasure room. Yeah. Now, in Thor, didn't we see the Tesseract in the treasure room? I think we did. But that was in the year... Well, we don't even know what year that is, really. In Thor? Well, I guess... But, like, that... Isn't that what Loki? Oh man! No, we ju- that's not. We the like just watched this. So there's that. There's that other thing that the Frost Giants wanted, the other blue cube that is not the Tesseract. I don't know if we see the Tesseract. I gotta look this up because if you're listening, we it's been I just, just a like few short been weeks over since this we watched multiple Thor. times too. Yeah, because I always it. think that what Loki puts in his scepter is the Tesseract. It's that is. The scepter is the mind stone. And the tesseract is what stone? The space stone. Let me clear this up. MarvelCinematicUniverse.Fandom.com Always coming through for me. Basically, yeah, so all we know is that the tesseract came to be in the care of the Asgardians during Odin's rule. uh, And it was eventually brought to Earth by Odin for some reason. So I guess we don't see it. In Thor. Unless it's, like, when they're kids. Yeah. Um, so, for the intensive purposes of the MCU, this is the first time we're seeing it. And you mentioned this when we watched Thor, that it's, like, a, a wink, maybe, that it's, like, Norway, and that's where New Asgard yeah, is in Norway. Yeah, it's exactly the same Tonsberg, Norway. Yeah, they, they show it in a flashback in Thor, uh, and then we see it here, and then it pops up again almost ten years later. I like that symmetry a lot. Yeah, really cool that they did that. 
Um, I got like Indiana Jones vibes from that scene. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Probably just like the Nazis and ancient artifacts is a pretty obvious comparison, but there's a button that does something. Yeah. Yeah, pretty pretty good eye there's on Red Skull out. for that one. There's a fake out in the tomb or whatever. Yeah, the the fake one. So fragile. Uh Filch is here. Hi Filch. Yeah, whatever. Rest in peace him. He didn't do a good job hiding it or good enough, I guess. I mean, if I were presented with the giant wood etching of Yggdrasil, I wouldn't have known where to look, but he did his homework. But uh yeah, that was a that was a cool moment too. And it's kinda like when he opens the box. It's like in Pulp Fiction when they open the briefcase and it's just yeah. like shining on him. I'm like, we never should have seen it. That's what was in the briefcase. Oh my god! It's really a tie-in to the MCU. Oh my god. Quentin Tarantino Samuel just had a heart Jackson. attack. And he does guys, possess this. Guys, has anyone egg. else talked about this? Y'all, and that's like the '90s, right? Yeah. Man. Wow. I think I just blew the doors wide open here. Pulp Fiction is an MCU movie. You heard it here first. Message me if you have thoughts on that. Um, also, like, so if you've been listening to the pod and keeping up with current culture, we're about three quarters of the way through Loki. Uh, and as you know, the Infinity Stones in Loki are no more than literal paperweights. So... Yes, they still, like, of course, they are still powerful in the MCU on Earth. It's not like it. they were made. They Reg- still affect the sacred timeline. Yeah, they still matter. But it is funny now, just coming off, like, a couple episodes ago, Loki desperately trying to get it back. And there's a guy named, uh, what did I call him? Why did I try to remember his name? Because I'm not going to remember it. There's a guy in the TVA. Who just has a desk drawer full of Infinity oh, Stones. yeah. Calvin or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So we have come a very long way in terms of power scale since now. But Red Skull is still going to put it to good use. Don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, now I'm at Baby Chris Evans. I like that they do multiple, I guess it's foreshadows, <laughs> With the shield. They give him the trash can yep. cover. And then again, right after he takes a serum, he has the, like taxi the car door, door with the star on it. Yeah. Um, and guys, I just love guys. it. They're like, get ready. It's coming. Like, I feel like this would be such fan service for like real comic book fans. But I don't know that because obviously I didn't read the comics. But it just feels like they're putting so many like in your face things. But it's like wholesome and like what we all wanted and needed this movie is so wholesome it really is um but do you think it is like fan service like i mean i agree because like i did not have like that personal connection to captain america but like imagining being someone who was like i love captain america because captain america previous to this movie had been around for so long that's so, what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, like, agreed. There were countless people who grew up reading Captain America comic books and probably never thought that a movie like this would be made. It's fan service for me, and I'm not even, like, a fan. <laughs> yeah, like, it's not like that. But for people that were, oh, my God. They do such a good job, and it's so, like, respectful and, like, loving of the character, obviously. Um, and, you know, part of the reason why it probably feels so wholesome is because the director, Joe Johnston, has a history of doing, like, I don't know what to call it, like, family movies. Uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and Jumanji being two of them. Oh, my god! He's had an my interesting childhood. directorial career. He did another one um, called The Rocketeer, which we should actually watch uh, for the pod because it is, it's not based on comics, I think. Oh, no, it is based on a character from a comic book. Um, but it's another period piece, uh, set in the thirties. So I think we should check that one out. I've, I've heard good things. Timothy Dalton is in it. The most underrated James Bond. (laughs) Um, so this director, does he do any other? MCU? Yeah. No, this is actually like, you know, he's only done three or four movies after this. And one of them was that Nutcracker movie. (laughs) Do you remember that from a couple years ago? 
and a couple like yeah, really kinda. lower budget ones. So Weird. this didn't really blow them up. I don't think that this one did as well as Marvel had hoped. I was going to say, was this considered a success? Because I, I think this was the first movie I saw in theaters. For the Marvel series? For the Marvel. I don't think I saw Thor. I don't remember if I did, but I'm I'm almost certain I saw this in theaters. Actually, I, like, I know I saw this in theaters. Um, Let's see. So the budget... <laughs> wow, this is a wide estimated range. The budget was estimated to be anywhere from 140 to 216.7 million dollars. Box office it made 370 million. So, Wikipedia says it's commercially successful and it got like pretty good reviews. Um but I do wonder um if Joe Johnston was approached to do a sequel or if he was just not interested in continuing because given I mean, that I think they made the right choice by going I, in a different direction. I agree. But I think maybe it was because that Joe Johnston did the rocketeer. They thought he would be a good choice for this as a period movie and moving past it. Maybe not so much, or maybe he just wasn't interested. Um, I think that makes sense. Like this, this is definitely like a family film. And then as we get further into I guess they're, you know, Captain America movies, but they really blur the lines there. But um, at least the Winter Soldier is. Yeah, they're definitely more action heavy. Like this is not an action heavy yeah. film. And I mean, it's it's becoming more uh, common that there's not really a director in the MCU who just is a one and done type deal. Um, they, they like to keep them around for multiple ones, usually sequels, but now they even got John Watts to go from Spider-Man to Fantastic Four. Um, you know, they had John Favreau do a couple. The only other one I can really think of is um, whatever his name is that did The Incredible Hulk. And then Scott Derrickson was going to come back for Doctor Strange 2, but ended up leaving. But Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon did too. He and did Avengers Russo's. 1 and 2. Russo's did four. <laughs> so, yeah. So they're winning. They are winning. And also, all the ones that they've made made a billion dollars, so. Wait, what was your point? No, wait, that's not true. Three of them did. Um, my point was just that, like, they, I feel like the MCU had a phase where they were scouting directors, and maybe it was like, okay, we did one, it didn't work. But now it feels like they get a director, and they're like, you're going to help us with this franchise do you think that started with guardians uh could have started with guardians but i think when they were doing what well, was the same year uh winter soldier they were like as they were shooting they're like we want you guys to come back and do civil war and then during civil war they're like we want you guys to come back and do that was the infinity reasons. war yeah oh so but i i can't say for sure it's all speculation of course um I thought that this was like maybe a, another wink to the audience, but then after I wrote it down, I was like, probably not. But um, Stark says like, it's the modern Marvel's pavilion. And I was like, Marvel's. Oh, uh, probably, it probably was. I mean, I you, can't, you can't not <laughs> say Marvel in a Marvel movie and be like, eh, eh. But it was pretty like low key. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know what the, if they even showed what it was, but I was like, oh, Marvel, ready to do, ready to do. Um, yeah, what did I, so I, I don't know if you had any more comments about like that sequence. I had kind of jumped ahead to the lab. Oh, I had, um, a couple notes before we get to the procedure. Um, one, I love and like, it makes me sad seeing this like untraumatized version of Buck. (laughs) It's like really heartbreaking because he's like so youthful and joyful in this movie and it's like you know thinking about what his life would have been if he wasn't turned into this like you know kind of a monster yeah and you know knowing like where he ends up because like of course like i love like everybody still loves bucky but he has been irreversibly traumatized from decades of abuse but seeing him be like talking to steve saying why are you so desperate to go fight like just stay here like looking out for his safety that probably was being like i'm probably going to get killed 
like all these other guys that are going over here. Like I don't want you putting yourself in harm's way for no good reason. Yeah, I mean, you can see from this movie like what a good person he is and that he's also not really interested in fighting. Like I think if he was in Steve's position, he wouldn't be like signing up. Like he's signing up because he's a good dude and like he's doing the right <laughs> thing, but like He's not interested in fighting, and, like, that's his whole personality trait still, like, kind of. Like, I don't think he knows anything else now, but I think he's saying that that's what he doesn't want. I mean, that's, more or less, that's what he's working on in therapy. Right. More or less not actively seeking out a fight. Not doing a great job of, like, distancing himself from it. Like, really, I think he but... genuinely loved being in Wakanda because he wasn't yeah, fighting. Yeah, he just got to chill out for a bit. But I also think he doesn't know anything else anymore. Agreed. Um, so, yeah, that... But I, I also, like, big shout-out to Sebastian Stan for being, like, such an enamoring character that they were, like... He's sticking with us for the long haul. Right. For all of his, like, I would hesitate to say he even had, like, 10 minutes of screen time total in this movie. I guess, yeah. yeah. A pretty lasting impression. And I guess they already knew that they were going to do this Winter Soldier thing, but, I mean, obviously they didn't plan the um, TV show. Yeah, I'm curious about that. I think they would have had to have planned the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Because they knew they were doing a series with. Agreed. I mean, it, that's another thing that, like, if you knew... Actually, you know... Hold on. I need to check something. Because when the Winter Soldier came out, I was... You know, I didn't know who the Winter Soldier was. I don't think most people did. Well, but, it was supposed to be a surprise. Right. But the Winter Soldier was, like, a new character. Let me see when he was Is first Is it Winter Soldier? Because he, like, fell... In the snowy mountains? Is that why Pro- he's called Winter Soldier? <laughs> I don't... Has I guess anyone it's questioned just, the name it's, before? It's, it's Russia, you know, it's winter all the time. But I hope so. <laughs> I really hope so. Um, so I was kind of using liberal usage of the word new. But compared to some of the other characters, the Winter Soldier was introduced in 2005. Is it always Bucky Barnes? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, Bucky had been around in the first, like, early Captain America days, but, like, he died. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, it wasn't until 2005 that they were like, psych, didn't die. He's a Winter Soldier. Classic. Um, He was, Sebastian Stan got contracted for multiple films when they cast him as Bucky Barnes, so... Uh, he probably knew or suspected that there was more for his character. So when he fell off that train, he was like, mm? Mm? My last note before we get to like the procedure itself is um, when they're having their little drink, um, Captain uh, America, Steve, and uh, Stanley Tucci. Um, Stanley Tucci says that Schmidt is, like, a brilliant scientist. I'm like, is he? Because I feel like Zola is doing the brilliant science. Like, I think that was a mistake <laughs> on part of the movie. Yeah, we don't see Schmidt do a single thing. He just stands Like, he's around. a mastermind, certainly. Like, he does have a plan, but, like, I don't ever see him doing the science. <laughs> yeah, Zola's the brains of the operation, clearly. But I guess he is, like... I, the one thing I will say about Red Skull or Schmidt is that... I like that he, how he talks about, like, they all talk, they're like, oh, you just believe in magic. And he's like, no, it's science. And I do like that little um, character part of him that he's like, just like, no, you don't understand. (laughs) Maybe, maybe he was more of a scientist pre-Red Skull days. I I think so. Yeah. That makes the most sense to me. I mean, he is in charge of their R&D. Yeah. But, okay, now I'm, I'm ready to talk about... Yeah. Uh, two questions. One, how did they build this lab smack in the middle of Brooklyn? It's like when they had to build the, the meth lab in Better Call Saul, just sneak it in there. And also, regarding the Hydra operative who killed Erskine, like, I know that there's a bit of dialogue after the fact about this, but, like, who vetted everybody there? They just had this crowd of, like, 20 people 
Like, including, like, a senator or something. I'm like, guys. He came with the senator. I know, but, like... Well, I think that's proving that Hydra is starting to infiltrate. Yeah, yeah. For real. Definitely. Um, which, like, this is so preventable. They should learn a lesson from that, but they don't. Um, my question is, he's supposed to, like, stop this event from happening, but he doesn't make a move until after the procedure. They don't want a super soldier, but I guess he's, like, maybe seeing if it worked. Like, I don't know. Like, I think he did a really bad job. That is a very good question. <laughs> like, he had, he had an opportunity before. Maybe he just got distracted. Maybe he was like, you know what? I find myself pulling for this little guy. Let's let's see if he makes it through. I mean, I could buy And then he's he, like, whoops, I guess I gotta pull it up. I mean, I could buy that his orders were to see if it actually worked and that Schmidt wanted to know what happened, but... That is valid, but if he was there, he could have taken care of business and gotten away with way more than one vial of the serum. Because that's all he took at the end was, you know, the only one left. They used the rest of it for the injections. But yeah... I guess uh, Schmidt did not want them to take more serum back just to have it fail for all of their guys. Yeah. Still. Like, come on, man. When are they bringing Stanley Tucci back? Yeah. That would be a, that would be a deep cut. As much as I would love that. <laughs> it's like when people wanted, um, what's his name, from Iron Man to come back because they're basically the same character for the uh, purpose that they serve in their respective movies. Oh, yeah. Um, but... You know, they Yusuf or something. They like that. yeah, I don't know. I love I love Saint Lutucci, but he definitely made a mark, and also in a pretty short amount of time spent in the movie. Um, he was a good moral force. It has some funny parts. Yeah, oh, he's great. Like he makes he makes a lasting impact. I love how much Howard Stark we get. This is also the most likable we see Howard be. Easily, easily. Um, and I like the actor that they have play him. Yeah. Um, at this age. I think he also is in uh, Agent Carter. I was going to ask, and then that was also part of my note, was like, what is the deal with Stark and Carter? Because I feel like they definitely had a thing. Dirty and flirty. I agree. It seems like it, but if I had to guess, it would always be like, Peggy is like you're I'm not interested in like anything long term because it's Howard yeah but like um you know Steve asks her straight out on the plane like what is up with you two and she doesn't answer she's just I think she only ignores him because she's like just too caught up with his usage of the word fondue and I thought that, like, it was obvious that he knew what fondue meant, but he was saying, like, you know, what does that mean? Is it just, and then, is it just fondue? And then Howard's like, fondue is, like, dipping. I'm like, we know, but we're using fondue, like, as a euphemism, obviously. I thought we were all on the same page here. I think Peggy was just exasperated with Steve. I would I would bet on them having hooked up, but I not think they maybe had but a not serious. one night and she was like, oh god, what did I yep, do? Yep, not doing that again. And now she only has eyes for Steve. I I'm really excited for us to watch Agent Carter. Yeah, me too. This made me want to watch Agent Carter. Every time. I mean Peggy says a good character. The only thing that stops us is that we like kind of know that it ends really unsatisfyingly because it got um, canceled. Canceled. I mean, we don't know anything that happens, or at least I don't. Um, yeah, but I don't really know either. That it makes me like not want to watch it because I know it's just setting us up for disappointment. Yeah, but I still want to watch it. Um, on that note, like, I didn't have a note written about this, but part of the reason why this movie succeeds in the way that it does is because. The supporting cast is so strong. Like, Peggy is such an anchor for this movie. And Tommy Lee Jones is, like, a great choice. Yeah, like, no, like, seriously, and Stanley Tucci. I mean, like, all of these minor roles are played very well by very good actors, and they make a lasting impact. Even, like, Marjorie Tyrell. I don't remember the name of the actress. I have her as Marjorie in my notes. And I said, get out of here, Marjorie. Correct. The correct note. But she was still like a great pick for that role. I mean, I feel like getting 
I, I'm, almost everyone in this movie is kind of like not well known except for Tommy Lee Jones. And I mean, Stanley Tucci, I think, is known, but not he's not like a big name. Yeah. Um, he's not getting someone to go see a movie. Sorry, and like, Stanley. <laughs> Chris Evans has been in like a rom com with Anna Ferris. Yeah. At this point, he was. What's your number, obviously? He was in a weird place. Well, and Fantastic Four. Oh, shit. I forgot. Yeah, he does have that. That was, I forget? And that was probably a net negative for him going into this because people had seen Fantastic Four and had feelings. Great about... actor. Very different. <laughs> plays it yeah, very different. But, you know, I would be willing to bet that there were a handful of people being like, oh, that's the guy that played fucking Human Torch. Oh, this is... But He's everyone not loved him in that. Yeah, but he played like a douche bro. I know, but he was lovable. You get what I'm saying though, right? Like, no, like he's yes, great. Yes, but like one Fantastic minute into Four. this movie and you already know he's not right. doing but that. But that, that means you actually have to watch the movie. Yes. <laughs> um. So I'm at the part where they, or he breaks into the factory prison. Oh, okay. I only had one comment before that, which is about the Star Spangled Man with a plan. Being, <laughs> Are you doing the dancing? Yeah, the, the number. I went I, right past that. <laughs> I really like that montage. And I think, one, it's like a believable song. And I just think oh, it's yeah. so funny seeing... And it's like, believable that that's what they would use him for. Mm -hmm. He's just like a prop. And seeing him like start off kind of apprehensively and then being really good at it. I just enjoyed that. And it was like a great way to set up like the Stark difference of where he's at and then when he shows up like in europe and everybody's pissed off and it's raining and he's miserable and all the soldiers are miserable and it kind of is like a reality check for him being like you know you weren't really in the military you were you know basically doing a musical number you're a prop yeah which he instantly realizes but like he kind of needed that i think because in my opinion, that kind of dictates his opinions towards how the government handles Captain America and the Avengers. Like, his view of the government is very, like, cautious. Jaded. Yeah, jaded too. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we talked about this a lot in Iron Man 2 about the military like industrial complex as like a character in these movies and how he is like still pretty pro-military but like anti-government and it's like how do you separate those yeah. two things i mean like i would not say in any regards this movie is anti-government anti-military I mean, it's the it's whole thing. Definitely like, not anti-military. Yeah, like the whole thing's like draped in a flag, but and so they don't really broach that. But to me, I I just see like the roots being taken. There. I think they're definitely doing the anti-government seeds because the senator is kind of like the butt of a joke, mm -hmm. and like when he doesn't show up for the valor, I think that's kind of like an fu to the government. That's true. Um, that's true. And a little yeah. bit Tommy Lee Jones is like the bridge between government and the military. And it's like, mm, you're kind of a dick, but like, you're also likable, I guess. Yeah. So. That's true. That's true. But yeah, definitely seeds being planted. And they took his character in a very interesting direction later. Way better than him just being like, uh, just like a patriot, you know. They could have really, could have really stepped in it, but that's never what Captain America has been, even in the comics. This senator that they have in this movie looks like the senator or the person in the later movies that yeah. does the whole Hail Hydra thing. Yep. That's he in really a bunch does. of them. Yep, Gary Shandling's character. Yeah, Gary Shandling. <laughs> it's like, is this supposed to be like the <laughs> time traveled or just like a family member, but? Hydra I would gave believe him time travel powers, yeah. I would believe <laughs> that that's, like, where he came from. Uh, another note after that. I guess I have two before we get to the factory. Um, the drawing that he does of a monkey riding a unicycle, that sticks around, and he has it framed on his desk in Civil War. Oh, really? Yeah. What desk does he have? In the Avengers headquarters. Oh. Yeah. It's, like, in that, the brief amount of time where they're all there, like, debating the Sokovia Accords, you, like, okay. see it in the background, which I thought was fun. 
I don't know how it possibly ended up back in his possession. He probably got it from Peggy. Um, but just a yeah, fun touch. Yeah, it was touch. like in a museum or yeah. something. Um, yeah, so one of my notes from the factory is what happened to all of the technology that they procured? And we see um, Stark playing with it, but then like, then what? Like, when we get to modern times, we're not ahead in technology like that, like with weapons and stuff. We're not using that technology. But we are. Because you remember in Avengers, Steve finds out that Nick Fury's using old Hydra technology and he confronts him about it. Oh, I don't remember that. Loki, like, tips him off to it because he's trying to get everybody on edge and he's like, they're using this hydro technology and they're not telling you about it. So he's all mad because he's being kept in the dark. Well, I don't know why he'd be mad. They're currently using it. Like his team is using it. Well, <laughs> against the hydro people. If you had to ask him, it, that is probably because he's like, we're in the war and yeah. like we're using it, but we're not going to use, like we're not, we're going to keep doing our thing. We're not going to rely on Nazi weaponry. Fast forward, it's like a U.S. government-funded project openly, or, you know, not openly, but they are consciously using Hydra technology and expanding upon it, and I think that's what he doesn't like. But most of all, I think he just doesn't like that Nick Fury didn't tell him about right, it. Right, I feel like that's, that's the more main of the problem. betrayal. Um, because it would make sense for them to use it. Like, it's advanced technology. Like, the Hydra people look like present day like in right. their I mean, get and that, up and everything that like lines up with what actually happens i mean you capture the technology or the people that make that technology and you recruit them and zola talks about that in the winter soldier because he gets recruited right but then it doesn't it just doesn't seem like they they did actually and like i i agree that but yeah. I also wonder, like, how much can you use it before it runs out without the actual Tesseract? Because it, the Tesseract, like, made all of these I things. think that's probably your explanation, then. But cause... then, but Howard finds the Tesseract. Which yeah. I, I want to get to, I'm talking about that at the end, but. Um... I think that it could probably be summed up as a plot hole, or just, you know, they didn't. They, they didn't want to have to retroactively bump technology, technology forward yeah. in the past because then it causes problems. Yeah. They like fast forward to 2011 and everything's like super futuristic. Yeah. They're like, we don't even know. We can't even <laughs> conceptualize what play that would be. Right. Either that or uh, Zola and Schmidt were just talking out their ass about how futuristic their tech was. I mean, I'm just saying we saw it. What they did was build a bunch of big bombs. But yes, agreed. I have more notes about Sweet Bucky, my boyfriend. Um, everybody like wants to do experiments on him. Like, why was he chosen? What did they do to him? Is this important at all? Like, um, is that how he survives his fall? Because they did some weird experiments. I think that's what every. Him. I don't think they ever say it concretely in the movies, but I'm pretty sure that's the prevailing fan theory. Is otherwise he would have just fallen off the train and died. But because they did something to him, we don't know what, he lived. I mean, he's just like a big, strong guy. I guess he's just like a target. I guess. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, did they even do any other experiments on other people? Maybe they did and they, they all said died. said they died, yeah. yeah. So, yikes. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that was a good thing that he lived falling off the train or bad. I mean, I thought about that, but I didn't. Buck. I didn't want to write a note about it because, it's like, sad. it's sad. I love that we get him back, but yeah. but for him, his life is terrible. Right. Not, it's not, not so good. worth it. Not I think so he would good. have rather died. Yeah, that, if you asked him now, probably. Um, Thanks, Griff. <laughs> sorry, I had to say it. I wish we had gotten more escapades of the Howling Commandos. Is that what they're called? Yeah. Um, the montage is fun and you know, like, of course they had to squeeze it in and I'm glad that we got like these scenes, but I just like the actors that play all of them. Uh, and I wish we could have gotten more, uh, chemistry and interactions with that group. And I was saying when we were watching it, if this movie had come out when they were doing Disney plus shows, 
that would have been a clear shoe in for a like six episode Disney Plus series. I feel like we did in a different franchise called Wonder Woman. I feel like it was completely duplicated. I mean, the Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is team. a knockoff of Captain America: The First Avenger. Yeah, like, and just like their whole little team and how they're all like a bunch of misfits working together. And we get more, we get a deeper into their like dynamic in Wonder Woman, but like it's basically the same thing. <laughs> Even the I'm gonna take this plane and as we were watching that myself, in theaters, maybe. I was like, Are you shitting me? <laughs> I was like, they were in a world war and there was a guy named Steve. Yeah, who was oh, flying a plane with a Steve. bomb on it to sacrifice himself. I was like, What? This feels familiar. <laughs> Um, but I loved Wonder Woman probably for the same reason I love Captain America. I mean, nothing wrong with that. So, First um, Wonder Woman was a great movie. Yeah. It, the, the parallels were just like more than coincidental. Yeah. Um, after that, my, my notes really decline. I'm already at like the <laughs> end of the movie. Was, uh, I was just getting swept up in it. But uh, we talked about it earlier. But I had a note and I just said this movie is so well paced. Because I was like, you know, it, it sets it up that we have the, the giant plane and they like find the base and I'm like, oh, like we're here. Like we're about to make like our, our final strike. And it feels like in any other movie there would have been like, you know, a little bit of bullshit before you get to the final act. But nope, they bring you right to the door and welcome you in. Yeah. And they don't fuck with like inter personal conflict like the team is not fighting it's only steve and peggy and it's not even really expounded upon that much they they handle it themselves as soon as peggy sees that locket with her face in it it's over we're good to go yeah um <clears throat> so i'm on the plane Where are you yeah, I don't I don't have any other comment. The Tesseract falls off yes. into the middle of the ocean. Yes. And but not before Red Skull gets teleported. Yes. So that was my other note. That makes sense why he's on the Soul Planet. Yep. Because that, people we, must have been we so, questioned that yeah. at the time and it just clicked in place watching it here, like especially thinking about it being the space stone, like yeah. Uh, people must have been, felt so vindicated when Infinity War came out because that was a theory for a long time. It was like, we didn't really see him die. No, we see him in Infinity War first. Oh, right. Because when Thanos goes with Gamora. Yeah, you're right. Um, of course. And people are like, well, it wouldn't bring Red Skull back. And they're like, yes, no, they didn't get Hugo Weaving back because unfortunately Hugo Weaving was like, I don't want to do a Marvel movie ever again because he did not have a good time. Why? What happened? He, he, I don't think he just... He was the bad guy. All around didn't enjoy it. No, I think it was mostly the prosthetics. <laughs> well, yeah, that seemed... But, rough. yeah, no, they couldn't get him to come back, so they got a guy that does uh, voice impressions. <laughs> right, I do remember that, yes. Uh, who did a good job. Um, but, yeah, so... Tesseract falls through. Howard Stark finds the Tesseract, but not the plane. Like, come on, bud. Well, the Tesseract is giving out a power signal. Fair, fair. Um, so then... What happens with that Tesseract? So I guess that's, again, talking about Endgame. They know that Howard has it because that's they go back in time and get it from Howard. Yes. But then at some point, Samuel L. Jackson gets it. It goes from the care of Howard Captain Stark. Marvel. It goes, yeah, in Captain Marvel, it ends up in the hands of the military because what's-her-name is doing experiments with it. I think it's shared government property. Uh, whatever, like, covert group wants to run experiments on it for energy production gets to borrow it for a bit. So, yeah, it goes from that. And Captain Marvel, they have it, and it gets used for the engine that the Kree are making. And then uh, the cat thing, whatever his name, throws it up on Samuel L. Jackson's desk. And then here we are. About to start. Shield keeps that shit for the next twenty years. They're like, nope, no one else, no one else gets it. Until Thor is like, I think we'll take it back. Yep. Yoink. Okay. Did 
good um, recap on the Tesseract, and we it's, will forget by the next movie. <laughs> I think there's a whole wiki page for the Tesseract timeline. It's very easy to forget. Okay. <clears throat> I'm at my other Titanic note. Just like there was plenty of room for Jack on that um, piece of wood, there were other options for Steve Rogers. First of all, that plane like didn't even like crash. It like softly landed on the ice. Could have easily extracted himself from the plane. Could have easily said, yes, these are my coordinates. Like you can come find me or find the plane at least. Like if I don't survive, like if you still wanna have this martyr moment, like, he also could have, like, done so many other things. Put it into the ground and, like, just jumped off. Like, he's a super soldier. Well. I'm upset. As he said when War Machine proposed that same question, he didn't think about it at the time. Well, There's a deleted scene in Endgame like where Don Cheadle is like, why didn't you just jump out of the plane? And he's like, well... Did they just add that in because people are mad? Like me? Probably. And then they deleted it from the movie anyway, so. Because <laughs> they were probably like, uh, <laughs> maybe we shouldn't talk about this because clearly he didn't make the right choice. So I'm just saying, my notes are full circle. It that, begins and ends with the Titanic. Yep, yep. Yeah, I mean, it was really, our, our boy had to get to the 21st century somehow, but like he didn't have to do Peggy like that. It just makes me so sad, but I they also fix that in Endgame, I suppose. But we don't get to see it, so I don't... It doesn't matter. Um, Alright, so post-plane, any notes on... I had one comment. Uh, he's brought back in a S.H.I.E.L.D. facility in New York in 2011 or 2012, and they are playing a baseball game from 1941 that Steve recognizes because he was at the game. And I was like, guys, you know when he died. You could have picked any other baseball game, the hundreds of baseball games that would have been played in the weeks, days, months, years after he went into the ice. It's that easy. Yeah. It would have still sounded like it's from the 40s. Or like no <laughs> radio, maybe. Just... just I, maybe a song? It's like they're trying, they're trying to acclimate him. It was... Yeah, didn't work. It was a sloppy job. Really bad. Like, come on, Nick. That's the best thing you had. Also, you know, you know, Coulson was out there being like, "God damn it, guys! Like, I know everything about it. Let me do it." The nurse looked like Jean Grey. That's all I'm gonna say. She really did. And now I'm. I was wondering out. if it really was the actress. I mean, I can tell you what the actress that played Jean Grey did after X Men, but that's also because I don't really know her name. Let's see. Um, well, uh, let's start thinking about our favorite scene or moment from this film. Let's. Let's. Also, it's not her. She would have been a lot older than that. But yeah. I did have to look. <laughs> um, this is a difficult question. What's yours? You got one? Yeah. It's definitely the breaking out of prison. And mostly, like, the... Not what Steve and Bucky are doing, the the rest of the group, and then, like, them walking back into camp. It's just, it's iconic, Griff. It's probably what I would have said, too. I just love that with Tommy Lee Jones chewing out Peggy and then has to eat his words. Um, yeah, no, I'm picking the same thing because there's a lot of, like, good scenes in this movie, but that's, like, by far the best. It's such a good feeling of victory and... Steve proving himself and Peggy to be right. I mean, if Bucky hadn't died, the train scene would be really good. Yeah. Everyone loves a train, train scene. Train scene is good, but yeah, it is soured a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Good Lord. <laughs> um, I mean, there's not really much to say about powers in this one. Yeah. I mean, would I like to be Captain America? Yes. Okay. That's all it is. There's no but. <laughs> I mean, no, but maybe the the not getting drunk part. I seems, think that's okay. It's fine. He just seemed bummed He's out. He's drunk you know, on life. Empathy, so true. But when your only two powered options here are Cap and Red Skull, 
the choice is clear. Yeah. I'd like to keep my skin. Please and thank you. I had a few more notes before we wrap up our discussion. Um, one line that rang familiar, and I may have actually talked about this on pod. Uh, during Cap and Red Skull's final battle, Red Skull says, I've seen the future, Captain. There are no flags. And then Steve's like, not my future. But, you know, that made me think. Is that a possible, uh, not necessarily in flag universe. Smashers? Yeah, Flag Smashers reference. Wow. Um, because I think people you actually... Like retroactively, yeah, probably. Yeah. But I think people theorize that in the comics, I believe there's a character that's Red Skull's daughter or granddaughter. And some people thought that she would be the villain in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And some people still think that she's the villain in Captain America 4. Um, obviously, that has not come to pass yet. But it is like that kind of different different sentiment, <laughs> same uh, like imagery, I suppose. Um, because I think the no flags future that Red Skull is talking about was very different from the one that the Flag Smashers were trying to implement. I think that's still interesting, though. And having the new Captain America fight them is, you know, just another parallel. So I wonder if they thought about that when they decided on the Flag Smashers as the villain. Uh, and my... Oh, did you have any? I was just going to say, I'm sure they were, like, mining the older content for things that they could... Because they needed to link whatever they could since they were introducing a new Captain America. And I mean, that's obviously very subtle, but like I could still see them just being like, oh, this is something, maybe we could do something with this. Yeah. Since they kind of like created the plot, like they weren't doing a direct comic. Right. Agreed. And my only other overall comment was that uh, Kevin Feige a couple years ago did a Reddit AMA which is an ask me anything. It was. And if you haven't read it, I would recommend that you go through and see his answers because they're pretty, they're pretty cool. Um, but one of the questions that somebody asked him was what were some of the hardest sells that you had to make to Marvel? Like before he had his street cred, you know, before he was Kevin Feige. That's a good question. Um, other and, than like the obvious, like, <laughs> well, Man. well, that, so he, he, he had two that he responded with, and one of them was casting Robert Downey Jr. Right. And the other one was making this movie a World War II period piece. He didn't go into detail, but it sounded like he had to push to make it come to fruition, which was interesting. Because How I'm, would they do it otherwise? Just, like, make Captain America, like, modern day? I, like Yeah, I guess. Which, like, would not have worked. I think, like, I can't even imagine that because so much of his character is dependent on being the man out of time. Um, yeah. But I'm sure, like, you know, they were... Even after the success of Iron Man and Thor, I'm not going to mention Hulk here, but they were like, okay, you want to do a Captain America movie? Fine. Like, we can do it. Oh, you want to make a Captain America movie set in World War II? Okay. Well, we're going to have to... We're going to have to have some discussions about this. I mean, I do think that World War II era films are probably the most overdone, like, common yeah. period pieces. Like, especially, like, there was, like, a time, I feel like, in the 90s, early 2000s, like, where that was, like, very popular, but... For sure. I mean, I feel like after Saving Private Ryan came out, everybody was like, let's let's get in on this. Yeah, we had, like, Schindler's List. Like, we had these big movies that yeah. came out. Um, but uh, it was yeah. so clearly the right choice. If Zack Snyder directed this, it would have been in the Vietnam War. Yikes. They would have really... He would have really, like, focused on the military complex and how it, like poisoning captain america would not have been it would not have been wholesome i mean it, it zach snyder would be like gunning for basically what happens in civil war like that's yeah, what he'd be sure. like working towards and so he'd be like laying the groundwork in this like it not it would not have been subtle yeah <laughs> yeah definitely not 
his his costume would have been like the darkest navy blue. Like probably would have gotten like the the star would have been like split in half in the final. <laughs> oh God. Uh, I can only imagine. Oh Zach, you have your place. And it's not doing a Captain America movie, hopefully. Okay. <laughs> um, did you want to do any like head to heads or like world smashing? I mean, if we do a head to head. I feel like Captain America does end up fighting like a lot of people in the. He really does. Series. He does. Like he literally yeah. goes head to head against. Civil War pits him against a lot of buddies. Who doesn't he fight? That would have been an interesting Thor? battle to see. Does he in Avengers? I know. All he does in Avengers, he blocks does. his... He like goes to hit Tony and Cap blocks his hammer with the shield and then it levels the whole forest. So if you think about it like that, the, the shield can stop Mjolnir. Actually, that is a good head-to-head. Captain America versus Thor... As is, but then also Captain America with the hammer versus Thor with his whatever. The axe. So, yeah. so Endgame Cap versus Endgame Thor. Yeah. And like Avengers Cap okay. versus Avengers Thor. Um, so first, let, let's do the first one. Avengers. Avengers 1, Thor would beat Cap. I think so too. That's like, the shield could stop it, but if you get rid of the shield, he has no way of beating him. He can't do it. Yeah, no, I think I think Thor would win. Even with the shield, like I just think that he can Yeah. I mean like the the movies do a good job of putting Thor on like a similar power level, you know, in terms of like the fights that they get into, like Thanos and Endgame. But at the end of the day, like Thor is not human. And I mean, if you wanna like get into specific, like Steve's not really human anymore either. Like he is like I don't know what you would call him. I guess just peak human condition is what they would kind of refer to it in the comics. But like even that's not going to keep up. Yeah. Not quite. Um, and then, so later on, though, I think Cap would beat him. Yeah? Yeah, I think in game level, not just because Thor has like lost his mojo, nothing to do with that. I just think that... Um, he's more, well, I guess now Thor's a warrior too. Like they're both like kind of soldiers. It would be a great fight. It would, it would be a, I would like to watch that, but I think, I think Thor would still come out on top. Cause he beat Hulk. Yeah. I just, I just think like Cap would not be able to whittle him down. I don't Try yeah, as he I might, but it would be hard fought. That would be very interesting. Um, but they're such good buddies, and I love that he picks up the hammer. Obviously a great moment. He listened to Stanley Tucci. He stayed a good person. He listened to his heart. He's a better person than Thor. I don't know why Thor is able to pick up the hammer. <laughs> That's another question. Um, who else has he not fought who is like similarly Hulk. powered? Yeah, Hulk's going to win that one. <laughs> yeah. He's I just, think they do obviously tussle at some point, but um, like more like he's trying to contain them. That's the thing with Captain America; like he's fighting to contain. He's never fighting to kill, so he will always lose in that sense. Not always, but like he's not trying to kill anyone. Yeah, and his opponent is usually trying to kill. Yes, or is more willing to kill. Like Thor is more willing to kill than Cap. Totally. Yeah, and, and I, if he was like, tr- if they were like truly enemies, like Thor wouldn't hesitate. Right, right, right. Captain America would not. Yeah. Try but, and kill. But so we, we don't get to see that. But I'm just saying, so like he's always he's, gonna be the underdog in the fight for that reason. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, permanent disadvantage there. But he will win a lot of fights. He can beat Bucky. I think. Yeah. Uh, he did not. Although, beat... actually, Bucky was winning until he was like, I know you. Oh, yeah. No, Bucky did win that fight. Uh, I forgot. Sorry. He... Sorry, Cap. And they don't really fight one on one in Civil War. There's always other people. Well, they're on the same side in Civil War. Not when uh, he gets re brainwashed and fights his way out of the facility. 
and they don't really fight. He just like stops him from taking off in the helicopter. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think like, it's more interesting to me to think of how he would fight like a similarly powered person, but there aren't too many like superhumans in the MCU. I mean, he fights Black Panther and that was pretty even. Uh, but I think Black Panther is going to win that fight if it had gone any longer. Um, yeah, that's a good matchup. But yeah, yeah, we do kind of see it. He scratched the shield, so things were starting What's to... What's vibranium versus vibranium? Yeah. I think in the, the right circumstance, like he could definitely hold his own. Like I think they would go toe-to-toe. For sure. I think he'd go toe-to-toe with a lot of people. But I think just because of who he is, if it was like a prolonged battle, he would start to be worn down. Like, we see when he's fighting Thanos, he's, like, exhausted. Yeah. Uh, That's Thanos. But I think Black Panther's a good example, too, because I don't think Black Panther is normally trying to kill his opponent either. Mm -hmm. Although maybe, maybe more so. Yeah. Like, I think he would have killed Claw if there were all those people watching. Agreed. And it would have been bad for for T'Challa. Yeah, but... All right, well, um, we could talk about Cap all day. Of course, we will continue off pod. Um, But we will be talking about him when Avengers return. Yeah, I can't believe it. Uh, But that'll probably be a couple weeks. We've got to finish Loki, and we'll do some other... Yeah, you know, we'll be we'll be hopping around between universes, but you know we'll be back. Maybe we'll watch The Rocketeers. Yeah, but you know our Avengers episode will be a doozy. Uh, that's going to be a fun watch. Even if it does have the worst Captain America uniform of all time. Sorry, Phil. That's America's ass you're talking about. Not in that suit, it ain't. That's when they say it, though. I know, but... Um, I've seen Avengers more than any other movie, and I'm still really excited to watch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I'm it's pumped. Definitely the most watched. We're gonna have so much to talk series. about with that. Yeah, I mean, I I could not count the number of times that I've seen it. I think I saw it three times in theaters. So, and in the years after that, I think we watched it before Avengers Two came out. I think we watched a bunch of them before Infinity War came out. And then Endgame, we watched them all again last year. I can't keep track. My letterbox says I've only logged it three times. Or that was for this movie, uh, for Avengers. If I had been tracking it when I was back in high school and early college days, that number would be jacked up. It's gonna be great. I'm ready. But in due course, we'll see you then. And until next time, we are out of the, the superverse. superverse.